Let me ask you a question. How many of you are good at following directions? Right? All the men are saying, me, I'm good. We're direction followers, right? All right, I'm going to put you to the test. Hey, and Taz, if that starts messing up on us, then shut it off. Okay? Um, I'm going to put you to the test. All right? I'm going to give you some directions. And I want you to follow my directions. And when I'm done, I want you to tell me the destination where I have led you. All right? So here we go. You're going to pull out of the parking lot and you're going to turn left. You're going to go about a mile and then you're going to go to the west. See, I'm getting tricky, aren't I? I'm changing it from right and left. I'm telling you, you're going west. All right? You're going to go west. You're going to come to a stoplight. When you get to that stoplight, you're going to turn right. Okay? You with me? When you're at that stoplight, you turn right, you go to a little farther, and you're going to come to a four-way stop. The destination is on the southeast corner of that four-way stop. Can anybody tell me what the destination is? St. Luke's? What else? Roses? Anybody else? <laughs> Mr. Schooler, what did you say? 48th in Memphis. Truth of the matter is, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I totally made those directions up. I have no destination in mind, right? And he, See, I tell you that because it's crazy, it's a little bit frustrating, because you're like, well, that's not fair, I was following you. But here's the deal. That's very often how we navigate through life. We don't have any real destination in mind. We just kind of make it up as we go. If it looks good, that's where we go. We turn in that direction. Well, this summer, we're going to look at some divine direction for godly living. Because it just isn't wise to carry on through life, making it up as you go. Eventually, what's going to happen is you're going to end up in a really bad place or some dead end, and you have no idea how to get out of it. And so we want to look at Scripture to see how it helps us navigate through life. I want to call the book of Proverbs is like a, a biblical GPS system that really helps us know how to navigate through life in a God-honoring way. But the guidance that we'll look at as we see it in Proverbs will keep us from ending up in the wrong place from finding ourselves at a dead end, because I want you to understand, unlike the instructions I gave you, the book of Proverbs actually has a destination in mind. It is intentionally leading you to a specific place, a place where you can walk in relationship with God. And it will do so by ultimately introducing you to the person and work of Jesus Christ. You see, the book of Proverbs... Is a book of wisdom. And Jesus Christ is wisdom personified. So you'll know wisdom by ultimately coming to know Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can find the path that leads to heaven. No one can, can find a way that leads to God and be in relationship with Him except through Jesus Christ. So when we look at Proverbs, we need to understand that's the destination that it has in mind. And everything that it says will guide us to that place where we walk in fellowship with Christ and live in relationship with God. That's what's in store for us. 
So before we look at that together and begin our study in Proverbs, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we confess that we are a people who um, find ourselves making it up as we go. Uh, Getting to an intersection and looking both ways and deciding which one looks best and just randomly picking uh, a path instead of having a destination in mind and, and following biblical guidance to lead us to the place that you have in store for us. And so we pray that as we look at the book of Proverbs together, that we understand it as the path that leads to relationship with you through faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that in all that we see of what wisdom is described to be, we see it fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And because of that, that we understand that it only becomes a reality in our life. We only live according to the wisdom of Proverbs when we live in relationship with Him. And so, Father, guide our time as we look at this wonderful book inspired by Your Spirit to give us guidance in life. We pray this in Your name. Amen. All right, turn to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, and let's uh, kick off our study of Proverbs this summer. This is going to be great. The first verse is simple. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon the son of David, king of Israel. Most of us know the the story of Solomon. We know that uh, he asked of God one thing, and that was to have wisdom, and it had a purpose. He said he wanted wisdom in order to lead God's people in a God-honoring way. And let me remind you how God responded to this request by Solomon. This is what what God said. He said, "Since, since this is your heart's desire, and you have not asked for wealth, possessions or honor, nor for the death of your enemies. And since you have not asked for a a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. And I will also give you wealth, possessions and honor, such as no king who was before you ever had and none after you will ever have. Those are the words that, that God spoke to, to Solomon. And we know from 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 32, that in his lifetime, King Solomon wrote some 3,000 different proverbs. 3,000 wise sayings. And so when we look at the book of Proverbs, it's just a sample of what this wise man wrote during his lifetime. But as we walk through the book of Proverbs this summer, I want you to see them as more than just wise sayings. I want you to see them as a a path for building godly character. Because understand, Proverbs is not going to give you kind of a play-by-play, step-by-step instruction manual on how to live your life. But what it will do is it will build within you a character that helps you make wise decisions, so that when you come to an intersection, there's some discernment of which direction you should go. And it's not just for individuals. Proverbs is intended to ultimately build communities of character. Men and women, boys and girls, who collectively are called by the name of God, who live lives in such a way that bring glory and honor to Him. People who practice what is good and right and fair and kind. So Proverbs 
is really for the church. Because you'll remember, what does Ephesians say? That the church exists to display what? The manifold wisdom of God. Right? So when we look at the book of Proverbs, we need to understand its application to our lives individually, but not miss the importance of our lives collectively as a body of Christ, displaying the manifold wisdom of God. That's the intent. So now that we kind of know who wrote it and his background, let's talk about what we can expect. He describes that next in the next few verses, beginning in verse 2. Read along with me. Here's the purpose. To know wisdom and instruction. To discern the sayings of understanding. To receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the naive, to the young, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. And a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. So as I think about that, I think as you look at the book of Proverbs, there's really two very clear purposes in mind. I would describe them this way. Right thinking and right living. Okay, Right thinking and right living. Or if you want to put it another way, good judgment and good character. Good judgment and good character. Those are the two primary purposes as you walk through the book of Proverbs. Verse 2 kind of begins and focuses our attention on that aspect of of right thinking. It it explains how the Proverbs teach you how to know wisdom and instruction. To discern sayings of understanding. He's talking about the development of good judgment. This idea of right thinking. Because wisdom in this context is the right application of knowledge. Not just knowing something, right? But but knowing how to apply it. It's a, a kind of a skill for living. Maybe not unlike we would look at an artist who has a skill for painting. Okay, think about this with me. How many of y'all ever watched Bob Ross on PBS? See, I'm a PBS guy. You know that. Yes, Grant has. We love Bob Ross. One is, he, he's great to take a nap to. Have you ever noticed his voice is so calm and soothing as he talks about his painting? But he starts with a blank canvas. And then before you know it, he's combined colors and created depth. And it really is an amazing thing to watch. One of the things that he often says is, we don't make mistakes, just just happy little accidents. Isn't that what he says? Just happy little accidents. But what he's doing is taking something that, that is in his mind and creating it on that canvas And it's a beautiful work of art. Now, you and I might do a lot of research. We might go read all the books there are on what it means to be an artist. So that perhaps, if we spend enough time, we become equally as knowledgeable about art as Bob Ross. But does that necessarily mean that you will become a great artist? No. Because there's a skill to applying that knowledge in such a way that you can create on that canvas, that picture that is in your mind. Okay? So when we come to the book of Proverbs, we need to kind of look at it in the same way. Anyone who reads the book of Proverbs can grow in knowledge. (laughs) These are some wise sayings that benefit all mankind at some level or another. 
but only those who have the skill to apply that knowledge rightly to the way in which they live their life, only those are the ones who are wise. That's what wisdom is. It's rightly applying, the skill of rightly applying the knowledge, and ultimately, in this case, the knowledge of Scripture, to know and do as a skill for living. But that wisdom has to be combined with instruction. Okay, that's what it goes on to say. It has to be combined with instruction. Now, instruction in this context actually is better interpreted discipline. Discipline. And my opinion is that's why there's such an obstacle in gaining wisdom because we don't like discipline. We don't like to be corrected. But wisdom requires that you remain teachable even as you make mistakes. Very often, you learn right thinking by suffering the consequences of wrong thinking. Correct? And only the wise can take what they learn from those mistakes and translate it into something different as they continue to live wise. Wisdom and discipline really are inseparable because it requires us to to learn from our mistakes as we go through life. And that's where discernment comes in. That's what he talks about next. This wisdom and instruction that leads to discernment. I would describe discernment as the, the ability to, to readily make wise decisions or right decisions. To avoid the trap of, of doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result. That's not very wise. Discernment is the ability to recognize what is good and right and true. The wisdom of Proverbs is is what guides you down the path of right thinking. It sharpens your ability to make good judgments. And those good judgments ultimately are intended to lead to good character. Verse 3 says, to receive instruction in wise behavior. And then it gives three examples. Righteousness, justice, and equity. This is where what you learn impacts how you live. Where right thinking turns into right living. Where good judgment turns into good character. Because remember, wisdom is more than just knowing something. It's knowing how to apply what you learn to be true. It results in behavior. That's the word that's used in this passage. What is just and right and fair. Okay? So I want you to Think for me, with me just for a second and, and consider someone who lived a life full of righteousness. Okay? Who comes to mind? Think of someone who did what was just. In fact, who was both the just and the justifier. Who is it? It's Jesus. He is wisdom personified. And so these characteristics of, of righteousness, justice, and equity, these are divine qualities. Divine characteristics. And so this behavior that these Proverbs lead us towards is a life of godliness. They should shape us in such a way that our lives become increasingly conformed to the image of Christ. And what will wisdom do? It takes right thinking and turns it into right living. Good judgments turns it into to good character. Behaviors of righteousness, justice, and equity. And this wisdom 
has a wide range of application. He lines that out in the, in the following verses. Look at verse 4 again. To give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. And a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure. The words of the wise and their riddles. Solomon is saying that wisdom knows no boundaries in terms of its application. Everyone has something to learn. The naive, the youthful, and even the wise. He says naive will gain prudence. Now, prudence is not a word that we use very often in our vocabulary, but it means to be shrewd. Okay? Shrewd. Someone who is not easily fooled would be another way to describe it. Because the naive are gullible, right? They're easily fooled. These are the people that you love to play practical jokes on because they fall for it every single time. But it's also uh, one of our favorite shows, Grant knows this, is what? What's one of our favorite shows? Funniest Home Videos. I knew he would say it. AFV. We love AFV. We love Funniest Videos because there are lots of gullible people on Funniest Videos, right? That's what that show's made for, is the antics of gullible people. One of my favorites is the one that uh, gets a lottery ticket, scratches it off and finds out they've won $10,000, right? And they're dancing and singing, woo-woo, and I mean, they're just going around all happy, and then somebody says, read the fine print. They read the fine print and realize it was a joke. And they're not happy anymore. They're really upset. They're mad at what had just been done to them. <laughs> but I, I want us to think about this. They're naive, but let's be honest. At some level or, or another, we're all naive. We've all been convinced to, to buy something that was not worth the money we spent on it, right? We have all been misled. We probably all believe things about the Bible that simply aren't there, that they're not necessarily true, <laughs> Like the verse that says, God helps those who help themselves. Right? Or how about the passage that says, God will never give you more than you can handle. We share that all the time with friends. It's naive. Because it's not in there. We just made that up. Because it sounds good, but it's not there. We're naive. The naive need to, to grow in wisdom in order to sharpen the senses so that we are not so easily led astray by this deception that is always wrapped in a kernel of truth. Otherwise, it wouldn't be believable. Proverbs is written for that purpose. It gives us that discernment. It helps the naive become shrewd, not so easily fooled. But it also helps the youthful. It helps them grow in knowledge and discretion, is what it says. Because the more you recognize what is true, the more readily you gain that knowledge of what is good and right, the more apt you are to identify something that's false. Now, I've used this illustration a hundred times, and I can't think of a better one, but you know what I'm going to talk about, and that's the study that people do when it comes to identifying counterfeit money. I want you to think of it this way. How difficult would it be if that class consisted of instructions of the myriad upon myriads of ways that a counterfeit bill could be made. I mean, it would be endless. It would be volumes of material, right? But instead, they don't go through that exercise. They said, look, 
you study the true thing so detailed and well, when something false comes along, you're going to know it. So learn one thing, what is true. And then when something false comes along, you'll recognize it. Well, that's what the book of Proverbs is leading us towards. Learning to identify what is true. And we've all been in situations where something comes along, and we might not even be able to explain it, but something in our gut says, oh, something's not right here. That's the wisdom of God in the life of His people when they begin to discern something that just doesn't quite measure up. And over time, you begin to understand why that's the case. It's discernment. According to verse 5, even the wise have something to learn. So the naive, the, the useful, and now the wise. Now I think this one's important because I think the wise sometimes are the ones that are the most stubborn learners, right? These are the ones who've lived life long enough, they've kind of figured it out. I think it's important because I think the longer we live, the more inclined we are to just kind of pull over and park. To, to manage life well enough with the things that we've learned to coast to the finish line. And I want you to know that the book of Proverbs is going to challenge that perspective deeply. Because really, one of the biggest challenges in life is not necessarily learning something new. It's to consistently apply what you already know to be true. That's what wisdom does. It cultivates a life of faithfulness, that consistent application of what you know to be true. That's faithfulness. And there's not a person in this room, young and old alike, who couldn't benefit from that instruction. So in the end, Proverbs has something for everything, everybody. For the naive to become shrewd, not so easily fooled. For the youthful to become discerning so that they more readily recognize what is true and respond when they get that sense that, Something's just not right. And for the wise to, to grow in faithfulness so they consistently apply those things that they already know to be true. Now that Solomon has kind of told us what to expect as we walk through Proverbs together, he's going to tell us where to begin. And that's what he says in verse 7. Let's look at that together. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. As you think about this, I would encourage you to memorize this verse. <laughs> because if we don't get this one right, the book of Proverbs loses its impact on our life altogether. This is the core truth that the, the, the wisdom of Proverbs is built upon. So I'd encourage you to spend some time and memorize Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. And I think the, the best way to appreciate what Solomon is saying here is to understand the contrast. That's why he writes it like he does, right? He, he develops a contrast so that in understanding one, you can better appreciate the other. And so I want to start with kind of the negative side of what he says here. He says, the fool is one who despises wisdom and instruction. The word for fool here is intended to describe someone who has an attitude of arrogance. Okay? And despise is a real emotional word, isn't it? Even when you hear the word despise, it kind of creates a, a, a sense of feeling, an emotion. 
Because someone who despises something has, an, has a real disdain for it. They don't want any part of it. They don't want to be around it at all. They despise it. And so the picture here is someone who is so prideful, so arrogant, that they don't want to listen to anything you have to say. They don't want any part of it. They despise wisdom and instruction. Why? Because they're too good or too smart or maybe just too busy. Basically, fools despise wisdom by not honoring God. They're too busy charting a course of life without Him. And if that's the case, every single one of us in this room has been foolish. Right? And so he's developing this contrast of this foolish person, this arrogance that prevents them from, from learning something new. And so as we look at the opposite of that, we see what he wants us to understand. Instead of being arrogant, the wise are humble. Instead of being too good or too busy, they're eager to learn. Lifetime learners. And they begin this pursuit of wisdom with a worshipful submission to God. Now, that's my definition of what the fear of the Lord means. And I want you to capture that picture in your mind. Because I want it to carry through our entire study of Proverbs. When you think about what it means to fear the Lord... Have this image in your mind of someone in worshipful submission to God. Because if you look in Scripture of the encounters when people have, have, have some way encountered God, someone like Moses or someone like Isaiah, every single time you're going to find this worshipful submission posture. They're not running in fear. <laughs> They're bowing in worship. Every single time. I love the way C.S. Lewis describes this heart. Listen to what he says. It's a great picture. He says, In God we come up against someone who is in every respect immeasurably superior to ourselves. Unless you know God as that, and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something above you. It's a great picture of what it looks like. Growing in wisdom begins with a right relationship with God. A relationship of humble submission. A relationship of reverent obedience. And in the absence of this relationship, spiritual wisdom looks foolish. Okay, You need to get this. It will make absolutely no sense. You'll walk out of here on Sunday morning, you'll go into your car, and as you're driving home, you'll be thinking to yourself, I have no idea what he just said that morning. Because that's what wisdom is to those who don't see it with spiritual eyes. And I think that's Paul's point, right? When he writes to the Corinthians, what does he say? He says, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them. Why? 
because they are spiritually appraised. One of the things that we need to understand as we begin our study is that the book of Proverbs was inspired by the Spirit of God. It is spiritually appraised. And its truth will transform your life only, and I mean only, when you begin by surrendering your heart in humble submission to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is wisdom personified, right? I want you to think about this. The pursuit of wisdom ultimately leads you to a person. That's the point of Proverbs. The pursuit of wisdom ultimately leads you to a person. It's a collection of wise sayings, but there's an intended path that leads you to the foot of the cross, introduces you to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Let let me show you an example of what I'm talking about. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul's writing to the Corinthians and what he says here has direct application to what we've talked about this morning. Just follow along beginning in verse 26 and then we'll talk about this together. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. It says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not, that He might nullify the things that are. That no man should boast before God. But by His doing, you are in Christ Jesus. By His doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. And look at these words. Righteousness, sanctification or holiness, and redemption. Look familiar? What this passage is telling us is that you don't find wisdom. Wisdom finds you. No one enters into a relationship with God in any way that they could boast about it that they were wise enough or noble enough or strong enough to make their way into a place where they would be accepted by God. This is not a treasure hunt. This is more like hide and seek, and you're the one hiding. He's the one seeking. The solution is not this intellectual pursuit because God chooses the the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And I want you to just think about what that looks like in reality. Instead of sending a victorious king, he chose a cross. Instead of a respected leader who was accepted by the masses, he chose a Savior who was despised and rejected by men. You see, Jesus was not a man who lived this happy and and carefree life. He was a man of sorrows, the Scripture tells us. Well acquainted with grief. One from whom men hide their faces. Choosing the foolishness things of the world to shame the wise. 
those who think they can earn their way into God's favor. And yet, it was Jesus Christ, that man despised, forsaken, crucified, who revealed the wisdom of God. So if you want to know righteousness, then you need to know Jesus Christ. If you want to know holiness and redemption, and you need to know Jesus Christ. The path of wisdom leads you to a person. And growing in knowledge begins in worshipful submission to that person, the one who has came to seek and save those who are lost. You don't find wisdom. Wisdom finds you when your heart is humbly submitted before God. There's a guy by the name of Charles Hodge that summarizes this thought. I love his words here, so I want you to hear what he has to say. He says this, Because God's wise plan of salvation made those things known to us only through faith in Jesus Christ, which is what we just said. The design of God in making wisdom, righteousness, sanctification or holiness, and redemption dependent on union with Christ, and union with Christ dependent not on our own merit, as if we could boast, but on His own good pleasure, is that we should glory only in Him. That is, that our confidence should be in Him and not in ourselves. And that all the glory of salvation should be ascribed to Him and not to us. See, our worshipful submission, our reverent obedience to Christ is where the pursuit of wisdom and the life of godliness begins. As He guides us down a path of right thinking that leads us into a a life of right living, of good judgments that lead to good character. You'll notice at the end of our Proverbs, it talks about understanding the, the wise sayings and the riddles of men. And I think one of the things that Solomon's trying to tell us is, you've got to search these things. You've got to think about it. You've got to process these things. This is not a, a passive approach of just taking something in and then being changed by it. It's taking it in and, and chewing on it. Kind of ruminating on what has been spoken so that you begin to consider how it applies to your life and what difference it makes. And probably brings you to a place where you ultimately say, no, can't do that. Humbly submission. Humble submission. Lord, please help me. Guide me and direct me into a way that I might live what you say is good and right and true because that is my heart's desire. He'll lead you into a path where you make decisions that are God-honoring that are a life of godliness and faithfulness. As individuals join together in a church body like this who become communities of godly character. So that who we become is the fulfillment of what Scripture says the church is supposed to be, the manifold wisdom of God. So we need to understand that as we walk through Proverbs together, will there be things that that change our lives in significant ways? Absolutely, yes but ultimately for the praise and glory of His name. Because we don't find wisdom. Wisdom finds us. His Spirit instructs us 
guides us and leads us to a path of godliness, to the praise and glory of His name. That's what this is all about. So we walk through this together, and I want there to be some excitement, some anticipation about what is in store for us because of what God inspired through the book of Proverbs and how it was intended to change your life through understanding what it means to walk faithfully, consistently applying what is good and right and true through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's in store. So let me close our time in prayer. God, I am so grateful for what you have in store, what you inspired. Such a long time ago, and yet those truths remain steadfast. Consistently applied, they change lives. Ultimately, they lead people to a place of what it means to be in a relationship with you through faith in Jesus Christ, who is wisdom personified. Father, thank you for giving us the instruction, the the guidance that leads us to a person. And through that person, understand what it is to have righteousness, not of our own, but that which is a gift from Him. To have holiness, not on our own, but to be transformed by the work of His Spirit. To have a hope and a future, not because of the things that we accomplish, but because of the things You've accomplished through Jesus Christ, our Savior. May we live lives that are transformed by these truths that we would be consistent in their application so that we might be faithful as a people, a community of character who displays the manifold wisdom of God. That is our heart's desire and our prayer before you this morning. May we go and live that now faithfully each day of the week ahead. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, wisdom personified. Amen. Have a great day.